You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to Armed Forces of Ukraine. Link is in the show notes. Hashtag Stand with Ukraine. Welcome back to Consolidate That. Ivan, it's good to see you again. I'm I'm thinking last episode we recorded was on my birthday. It's probably going to be an all-time favorite for all listeners, but um, I'm really excited about our, our guest today, another fantastic guest from within the clinics, which is always great, but I'll, I'll hand it to you to introduce him. Well, I think we can top that by today's guest. So today we have uh, one of my the... My birthday's pretty good. <laughs> we have one of the fabulous doctors in uh, one of our clinics, a colleague of mine and friend, Dr. Katie Rorick. Dr. Katie Rorick is a veterinarian who graduated from Virginia, Maryland Regional College of Veterinary Medicine in 2009. She has been working at Danville Family Vet since her graduation, but she has been part of the team since high school. Dr. Rorick is passionate about helping animals and providing the best care possible to her patients. Outside of work, Dr. Rorick enjoys spending time outdoors with her husband, Will, and their two dogs, Tilly and Birdie. She is an avid horse rider and her favorite hobby is showing American Paint Horse Association Ranch riding with her horse Hook. Dr. Rorick's dedication to her profession and love for animals make her a valued member of the veterinary community. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for finding the time. Well, well, thanks for inviting us. I'm excited about this. Um, never done a podcast before, but <laughs> everybody says it's going to be okay. And um, I agree. I don't know if I can top a birthday experience, but I'll try. Okay. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll do our um, best. One one cool thing about your uh, your experience with Denville Animal Hospital, which actually I think we're repeating that again with a new uh, veterinarian starting, is that it looks like our uh, leader there, Dr. Jeff Smith, is truly growing his own talent. So he's <laughs> growing from <laughs> sort of working in the hospital. So what did you do before you went to vet school at Denville Animal Hospital? Uh, sure. So I actually started working as a kennel attendant when I was the week before I turned 16 and um, I worked all through afternoons and weekends on in high school and college breaks and um, very fortunate to have Dr. Smith as my mentor um, all throughout and Danville's a small town and when I was in high school and college I said not coming home I fell in love with Blacksburg and I was going to stay in Blacksburg but God had other plans and brought us back home and I'm very happy to be back home. That's amazing. And uh, he is a truly amazing leader. The whole team there, we just visited a couple of weeks ago and it was an incredible experience. And uh, so it was great to see um, the, uh, and, and I love that you went the whole kind of profession through all the roles. That's, that's what I repeated in Canada. I started from kennel attendant and a janitor and then transitioned to technician and then went to right. Exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's very valuable to understand all of the roles in the hospital kind of, you can put yourself in everybody's shoes and, um, you know, they can't say, well, you've never done this because we right. definitely have, um, the only role I haven't actually done is is reception work um, i prefer to stay away from that if possible but i'll i'll grab the phone and make appointments if if needed some days it's not my favorite but i'll certainly get that done yeah i was a receptionist in uh, in vet school so uh, okay. uh i was cool. uh, two years to arrive to canada 
I still had a stronger accent than now and uh, and English wasn't my best part. So being a receptionist and everybody making fun of me was a good experience. <laughs> I could just imagine that. It's like, no, we're busy. Like, <laughs> Ukrainian, going Ukrainian yeah. on everybody. Uh, Show up yeah, when I say. Yeah, one day uh, I uh, someone called and said uh, that they were bringing in blue heron uh, that was injured into the vet school. And then I page radiology department because when they're when they're injured or or dead, I don't remember which one was it, but they take an X-ray just to see if it was shot because it's oh, okay. a protective bird. Yeah. Okay. But but I I you know I blue I just heard the blue, so I I paged the radiology and I said there is a blue jay coming in and they're gonna you know they're gonna bring in. <laughs> so the radiology department send this picture, big picture on the print to the printer, which I was responsible for. Printer was next to me, and it says on it, Ivan, this is blue heron, not blue jay. So, <laughs> anyway, they constantly make fun of me. But I want to talk today about the, your experience through all of those positions because it's quite unique. And then your understanding of compassion fatigue and burnout in the hospital. And we have some interesting uh, findings from we just uh, we just deployed our third study on the burnout across the industry. So it came out two weeks ago. Download it if you're interested. It's on our Galaxy Vets website within the materials. But the surprising thing that we found is that this year, the most burned out role in the hospital is uh, hospital manager out of all. So before we actually saw technicians and, and veterinarians. So what do you think of that? And as you went through different roles in the hospital, who do you think is in most danger of burning out as you can see it in the practice? Sure. I mean, I think that it's it's going to vary from practice to practice. It's going to vary from season to season. Um, it certainly makes sense that the hospital manager would would be one of the ones that burns out, even though you you wouldn't necessarily just like the normal individual doesn't see what the hospital manager does. But our hospital manager here, Amy, is she's fantastic, and she's one of those like she cares about our people. She wants to make sure everybody's happy, whether that's our staff, whether that's our clients, whether that's, uh, you know, sh other than herself, she doesn't look out for herself very well. So there've been many weeks that, you know, as, as everybody, at least in Galaxy is aware, and it's not just a problem here, but we're pretty short staffed. So if somebody needs to draw the short straw, it's, it's Amy. So I can see where that would lead to burnout for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a sign of a true leader to step in where there's short staff, not start you know pointing at right. people saying you're <laughs> right. staying late. You're staying late. She actually takes it on. So yeah, she yeah, she does. Yep. She's amazing, and and she has very high standard for the staff. We're you know we're bringing we keep bringing on people to hire, but they just don't pass the Amy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she said yesterday that you guys told her she was too picky, but um. We've, we've seen the other side of not being picky enough. And so we, we try to protect our family here and it, yeah. it needs to be the right fit. And so no, that's um, great. Yeah. So, so in the environment that you are in Danville, I, I mean, I've seen you guys operate, you are at the highest capacity to what you have as a team and definitely could use a couple more people in different roles. At the same time, I get the vibe from you that that you look happy, and unless you really hide it well, it looks like you can really separate work and personal life. So, what do you? First of all, is that is that true on the inside as it is on the outside? Are you a happy person and think that you're not in burnout in that high pace environment? And if that's the case, how do you accomplish that? Sure. I mean, I think that um, there's different levels of burnout, and I think that. 
I'm probably on the verge of a mild level there, but I still can compartmentalize. And it's, it's very important to me to know what makes me happy and what kind of pulls me down. And, um, you know, now that the weather's nice again, it's nice that I can get outside and ride my horse and play with my dogs and see the sunshine. And I think that's the most important thing is understanding you have to take the time to do things that, that bring you joy so you can then focus on on work. And I came to this profession because it's something that I enjoy doing. And I try to, you know, when I have days that I'm like, this is a little frustrating. I don't know, you know, if I can have many more days like this. I'm like, okay, why, why did you choose this profession? What do you enjoy about this profession to kind of bring it back to the joy of work? And so that way it doesn't have to be hundred percent separated like work and play um, you know certainly it is important to to do both and um, enjoy the time that I do have with with my family and with my animals but but also I, I genuinely enjoy what I do it's kind of interesting you as you were talking about that I think your your joy and your sort of free time you spend with animals as well we get on <laughs> right. painted yeah. horse riding and showing For and all sure. of those sort of things as well um do you ever find that kind of the compassion and compassion fatigue that can come out from within there, you know, being with your animals at home, does that reinvigorate the passion or does it ever, do you ever just feel kind of more maybe aloof or anything like that? I, cause I've, you know, I've worked in places where I'm very passionate about a project or a product or a, a tool or something like that. And then I have it at home and I come back and I'm like, Oh, you know, I guess I could, you know, look at this or play with this, but how do you sort of keep that, that spirit alive? Right. Well, I mean, that's a great question. And because I grew up um, on a beef cattle farm and I showed horses my entire life, a lot of people are like, why aren't you an equine vet? Why didn't you do the large animal? And I wanted to 100% keep the horses my hobby. I didn't want to end up saying like, gosh, I worked with horses all day. I don't think I want to go visit my horses this evening. Um, so, so I did kind of draw that line by choosing to be small animal rather than go into equine because I wanted to absolutely make sure the horses could continue to be my passion and my hobby. Dogs, I'm not going to lie. There's some days that I'm like, Will, can you please take care of the dogs tonight? Because I, <laughs> especially when um, our newest puppy, um, Birdie, was, was a puppy, I'm like, I take care of dogs all day. Can you, can you please feed her? Can you please clean up the puddle of pee this afternoon. So, I mean, there's times that I am like, okay, enough dogs, but it's still nice when, when they come and sit in my lap and cuddle with me in the evenings. And um, I actually do agility with, with our older dog Tilly. And that's also an outlet for just en enjoying them. So I think it's different than the day-to-day -day interactions that we have with, with caring for them as a, as a patient, rather than having them be like your family and your snuggle buddy at night. We recently uh, had an exercise at Danville where we went through <clears throat> different reasons of burnout. And um, because the team is really, really challenged right now with the capacity and especially going into the spring. Um, sure. So the um, so the so we kind of talked about the six triggers of burnout and I wanted to kind of read them out and then maybe discuss what do you think is important and which ones of these in general in veterinary medicine are, are more fair than, than others. 
And what do you think? Not only in Denville, Denville is is unique in its culture. So then maybe even comparing this to maybe other hospitals, even though you probably had a limited exposure to it, but just in general as an industry and the type of the individuals that work in in, in our industry. So the six of them, I can read them out and then we can probably like talk one at a time. So lack of control when you don't control what you do and when there's a lot of top down and sort of micromanagement, Uh, conflict of values where your personal values don't align with the organization where you work for, uh, work work overload, which is uh, the most common one that uh, people think about the burnout, but it's not only that, it's it's the six of them. So that's the third one. Insufficient reward, whether it's monetary or even just in terms of regular gratitude and thank you. Um, unfairness in the environment, if there's favoritism, things like that. And then the community breakdown, when people have trouble communicating with each other, providing feedback or conflict resolution. So <clears throat> out of these six, uh, I'll, I'll because they're not in front of you. I'll, I'll, I'll take that us through it, and then which ones do you think more relevant for our industry overall, and how does that uh, feel at the level of your team? So, so lack of control. What do you think about that in our industry? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like you said. Our culture here is so much different, and I'm so fortunate that um, is there some micromanagement? Absolutely, but I think that we, you know, Dr. Smith. And, and now Galaxy encourages us to be our own people and bring ideas to the table. So I think for, for me specifically, that one doesn't even hardly factor. Um, but I do think, you know, I see on some of the Facebook groups that are that are vet related and you know, a lot of people do work for like, this is how we do it. I, you know, just you don't have any autonomy and and I can't imagine how how difficult that would be. I'd probably be looking for a different place of employment (laughs) if that were the case so that makes sense how about the conflict of values uh when do you think in our industry and how how is it on on denville and where in the industry we could or could not face the conflict of values of yours with the organization sure um you know again there like i we have pretty good culture and pretty good values here in in our practice um i think that for instance one thing would be elective procedures, which in a lot of areas, fortunately, they've, they've kind of fizzled out, but like ear croppings and, and cat declaws, um, so, you know, procedures that an individual just doesn't feel comfortable doing and the clinic's like, nope, we got to do it anyway. And I, I can't imagine, yeah. I mean, we, we did cat declaws um, up until like a probably two years ago now. I can't remember when we stopped, but it was, you know, when I was doing them regularly, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And now I'm like, I'm so glad that we don't do that anymore. So, and I can't imagine just having a strong feeling about a procedure that that you have that you would then be forced to do. Um, right. And then, yeah. you know, another thing I guess that probably falls into that category a little bit is, um, you know, financial euthanasia um, that mm-hmm. may or may not fall into, like you said, the the values category. But you yeah. know, different people have different. Um, levels of what they're able and willing to do for their pet. And, and I can imagine that has some bearing stronger actually, than others. We actually, in the last study, we actually included that into sure. this place. And what we found out is that uh, the economic euthanasia, not euthanasia itself. So euthanasia actually doesn't seem to increase the burnout as a procedure, sure. but economic euthanasia specifically mm-hmm. does, which was, it totally makes sense, but it was right. interesting yeah. to see that supported by the data. Really Definitely. cool. Work yeah. overload. I guess that one uh, yeah. is 
that, relevant. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that one. That one probably speaks out of the out of the list that probably speaks to me the, the most right now. Um, and I think you know we've done over the last year and a half, we've kind of tried to manage that a little bit better, manage our clients' expectations. Um, the way we do our schedule is a you know two column staggering schedule with for each doctor and. We had gotten to the point that both of our columns were full and then our third walk-in column was getting full most days as well. And it just, we weren't providing the quality care that the patients deserved. All of our staff was completely wrung out um, at the end of the day. And I remember um, you talked about Sarah Dalton when she was actually writing her paper for school. She came to me, she's like, is, is there a time that you can think about that you've suffered compassion fatigue? And I was like, yeah. The summer that we had two columns full and three and four that were like getting full every single day. And I was at I was at my max at that point, um, probably beyond. And so we backed up and we said, OK, what what can we do? And we have reserved urgent care blocks now. So, you know, our schedule's not 100 percent full. We're able to fit in our good clients that need truly need to have an urgent or emergent appointment those days. And that's really been helpful. That's awesome. And yeah, because we're not good as veterinarians. We're not good at saying no, right? That's the problem. <laughs> we are <laughs> absolutely not good at saying we no. Go, I think they select us into vet school through a people-pleasing lens. The more people-pleasing <laughs> you are, the, yeah. the more irrelevant you are to the profession. Okay. Yeah. Um, insufficient reward. Is that something that across the team, something that uh, is felt? Um, and then both you know, compensation-wise, but also in general sort of you know, good job. Thank sure. you. I think that um, I don't personally feel that. I think that, you know, my compensation is very fair. And I, I feel like there are some days that I'm like, geez, why was that person rude to me? Why do you think you would have been nice here? But I do think as a whole, um, that's that's got some bearing, especially unfortunately with our support staff as a whole in our profession, we, we can't pay them what they're worth. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what we're trying to design now is actually a, bonus compensation for the entire yeah. team that yeah, will basically balance the effort versus reward because right. right. you know we don't we don't benefit uh especially the staff doesn't benefit more from seeing more clients they just right. they just don't so so i think it's it will be very important yeah i, I think that's exciting and we really appreciate you know the structure that's going into that so that's See yeah, that that's awesome. How about unfairness? Uh, do you think in our profession there's favoritism sometimes in the clinics and you know uh, groups or you know uh, oldies versus uh, old timers? Versus <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I I think some of that's human nature, no matter how you how it goes. Um, you know, I think we try to discourage that here, but but no matter what, I think human nature you're going to have people that you just work with better and that can come across as unfairness or favoritism to to the rest of the staff so yeah and the last one and and uh we we could uh talk about is the community breakdown they call it but essentially it's about the feedback uh and how the teams communicate um and uh and uh also conflict resolution feedback provision so if there's no structured understanding how to do that sometimes teams feel more burned more burned out as well so is there is there that in our profession absolutely i think that um I don't care how good your team is. You can always do a better job of communication. I don't think there's any such thing as over communicating. And I think that 
you know, again, that kind of goes back to human nature, but, um, you know, accepting and giving feedback is something that we can all do better. And I know here in our practice, we're hoping to have you and Gerardo come in and help us with that a little bit, a little bit more. So, so yes, I think that, you know, communication and the way things are, it's not even necessarily, I mean, that old saying, like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I think that it's easy to forget how you come across and, you know, people take it the wrong way, even if you don't necessarily mean that. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, and the, the interesting statistic that I found is that veterinary profession is the lowest EQ, uh, mm-hmm. basically. And uh, it's it kind of, I, I you know, this is all my own thoughts and hypotheses, but it's kind of the type of people, again, people that are drawn more of working with animals, they're, they're thinking that they can hide from humans. realize that uh, those animals have owners and then the teams that are working with you are are also humans so uh, so I think that's learning that and and thank you for for allowing us to step in and and provide training on that because I think if you it was interesting when we were there we did exercise of kind of looking for solutions for a couple things that came up as issues and repeatedly it was coming back to communication more communication more open communication, more sort of transparency. So it was very interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Well, it, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and, uh, and good luck on your vacation. Have fun, well-deserved. So at least yeah. you're not overworked. I know that you're going on your exciting trip with your husband and your dogs. Yeah. Uh, well, the dogs actually are going to stay at home because it's not um, the way the trails are. It's not really safe for them to go which um, makes me a little bit sad, (laughs) but um, anyways, they're actually, Amy's going to watch them while we're gone, but. um, Excellent. Excellent. More work for Amy, the manager. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. More work. But she can't say no, so let's No, she can't. She can't. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It's, It's been a pleasure and I look forward to more of these opportunities. So Dr. Org, before we go, one key question we always like to ask everyone is if there's a book or a podcast or something that they recommend people listen to or read, uh, what, what would you recommend for people to listen to or read? Sure. Th- this was a hard one because there's a lot of good information out there. Um, and this is actually a book I read several years ago, um, kind of as I was reflecting a little bit on you know, actually improving our communication related to some of the feedback we had gotten when um, Dr. Ivan and Steve are here, but um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was a good one. Um, just kind of in general, I think it kind of helps review interrelations with people and how to how to communicate well, but still get your point across, but also being empathetic and listening to the other person's point of view. Yeah, it's it's an oldie, but a goodie. It's yeah, a, absolutely. It's a book too, because it's I, I read that it was assigned by work to me many oh really yeah 10 years ago sure uh, sure and it's it's nice the the title makes it seem like a a multi-level marketing book almost (laughs) something crazy but it is a really genuine way so that's a cool thing and probably really neat for people in the industry to read so again thank you thank you so much for joining us this was awesome and always love talking with the folks on the ground and look forward to having you back again soon sure thank you so much Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Dr. Ward. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at galaxyvets.com.